Alrighty, chaps, we've made it. Certain themes that the popular culture of the popular church is uh, enthralled with right now. You know, so the issue of in-group preference being one of the chief sins of our popular modern commercial squalor culture. Um, and it just got me to thinking, like, when you actually go to a church, when you actually, uh, you know, see uh, the state of Christians in America, um, there's really very little distinction from the popular culture. You wouldn't really know who is a Christian, who is not uh, in, in many cases. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people who are the exception. Uh, but if you have to say that you're the exception, you're not the exception. So what I mean by that is in the areas of sexual immorality and debt slavery, we have this, you know, all the ladies wearing yoga pants, low-cut tight shirts, um, you know, tons of sleeping around and, and, you know, sexual immorality of people not getting married, living with each other and still thinking it's acceptable uh, to claim to be a Christian and then also have this uh, very sexually immoral lifestyle. Uh, and then on the other side of that is, is debt slavery. So, um, you know, we're, we're no different from the culture where our cars are on credit, our houses are on bond, um, our credit cards uh, are in the negative. Um, we go to jobs that we have to work to keep the bills uh, paid, to keep, to keep servicing the debt that we have accrued. Um, and there's almost a, there's almost a rabid, uh, aggression against anyone who would, who would rise up to say, wait a minute, we're not, we're not meant to look like the culture when it comes to sexual, uh, deviancy, when it comes to how ladies dress, when it comes to how men treat ladies, when it comes to how ladies treat men, you know, there's a different way. And I was like, how dare you? Uh, we want to reach the culture. We don't want to scare them away, all of that kind of thing. And then when it comes to debt, you know, when you come and say, like, I don't think we should be in debt. I don't think we should be going to jobs for big corporations. I don't think we should be putting, uh, you know, men into slavery to a 401k that, you know, is just guaranteed money to to the stock market. Um, and they're petrified to get fired. So they censor themselves uh, and their life force is sucked away when they could be doing what God has actually called them to do. Um and I'm not saying like, oh, go be a missionary in Africa and live in a mud hut. I'm saying like, if you're a, if you're an engineer or a doctor, instead of working for a big corporation, working for yourself. Like maybe that's what God wants you to do is to be the small town uh, doctor or be the small town mechanic or be the small town, you know, whatever it is your skill and trade is, rather than going and, and treating a, a corporation as your provider, that you would actually have faith and believe that God is, is our provider. So I'm going to preface uh, by reading two things. Uh, number one is my blog post uh, that I, so I pinned it last night on Twitter and then just clarified it a bit and put it on, on my blog this morning. Um, and uh, I'll just read that to us and riff off of it. So I titled it, How to Be Blessed, which again is scandalous to many uh, Christians who look like the culture. Uh, to tell them that you can be blessed is, is scandalous. Sexual immorality and debt slavery are the fuel on the burning altar of our cultural hellscape. 
Because if you think about that, you know, what is the what is the sexual immorality fuels our culture? You know, advertising, movies, entertainment. Uh, you know, everything is about the lust of the eyes, and uh, you know, how can we? Uh, you know, pornography is just so easily. You know, you. It's it's hard to even uh, call marketing nowadays. Marketing nowadays is almost pornographic. Entertainment, very much pornographic. Sexual immorality and debt slavery are the fuel on the burning altar of our cultural hellscape. Uh, debt slavery is a huge part of our of our system, right? So people who hate the image of God, you know, you, here's the story, the biblical story, right? The Israelites are in Egypt. The Egyptians hate the Israelites. They enslave them. Uh, Satan knows that God's plan for redemption of humankind was to come through the line uh, of Abraham and David. And so to destroy that line, he, he enslaves them. He gets them into slavery, right? So they work morning till night and have nothing to show for it. That's slavery, right? Slavery is working morning to night and you have nothing to show for it. You're enslaved to another man's schedule. Um, that's our current culture today, right? Is Christian men, the vast majority of the church are enslaved. They work morning till night, 50 hour weeks, 60 hour weeks, but have nothing to show for it. In fact, they're negative if they're if they're in debt. Next to these planks, the in-group preference of others is but a mite. So, you know, just thinking of this whole thing of like so many uh, Christians are going like, oh, racism is the worst. It's the worst sin you can commit. You know, diversity is our strength. Uh, and it's like, yeah, sure. In the church, you know, in the church, there is no uh, Greek or Jew. There is no male or female, slave or free. But that's because you're a Christian. You understand. So that's fine in the church, but forcing political diversity and forcing this concept of in-group preference being a sin uh, on unsaved, unredeemed people. It's like that is very, you're expecting of unsaved people, Christian virtue. And it's, it's, yeah, anyway, it's not, an, it's not your issue. You know, if I moved to Israel and try to start a business and tried to have a flourishing life, you know, I would arrive there. And I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. In fact, I don't like the culture. I'm, you know, I don't, Anglos don't mix very well with, uh, with, with Hebrew culture. It's, it's complete different. I like order, uh, manners, respect. Whereas the Hebrew culture is very communal, very, uh, irreverent, if you want to call it that. Um, and you know, there's a lot of taboos that us Englishmen are like, Oh no, don't ask for more. Like that's very rude. Whereas the Hebrews are like, Hey, can I have more? <laughs> it's like, they expect it. Like they're, it's rude if you don't give me more. And so for me to go to Israel and after a year, my business is struggling, you know, I've been taken for a ride and man, now I'm angry. And I was like, I can't believe these guys haven't given me a chance and it's their fault. They're racist. They only do business with their cousin and their brother. Uh, and I was like, no, like that's their culture. They're more than right to not deal with me. Like it's not their fault that I'm not successful, right? I have a problem where I don't believe God has blessed me. You know, so if I, if, if I did have to move somewhere, like I've moved to America, you know, I've moved to America and I have this, this identity of I am blessed. God loves me. Jesus has made me righteous from my sexual immorality and from my debt slavery that I've been freed from. And I am blessed. And so I'm going to operate from this place of no one owes me anything. No one owes me anything, right? I am blessed. 
And so that's how I'm going to operate. And it's like, even if my circumstances, like we're renting a house, because I'm not going to go into debt to buy a place. And it's like, oh, Scott, that's, that's not very wise. And it's like, yeah, it's not very wise. It's foolishness. However, it's like, am I going to take God at his word? Many of the supposed wrongs of others in-group preference. And chaps, that's what it is. You know, when people cry racism, just swap that word out for in-group preference. Because that's what they're angry about, right? If I go to Japan and I'm angry about their in-group preference, these guys are racist. I was like, yeah, that's fine. It's okay. I'm not Japanese. Many of the supposed wrongs of others in-group preference could be righted by one's own sexual morality and trust in God's blessing. So it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter who's against me. It doesn't matter who, who, because they're not my provision. You know, so if they're not supporting my business and all that stuff, it's like, Lord, this is uncomfortable, but I trust you. I trust you. And, and why sexual morality? Sexual morality is very important because, you know, you can lie, you can steal, you can cheat, you can do tons of obvious sins that our conscience knows are sins. And you can repent you can make restitution. You can pay people back for what you've stolen, or you can go and fess up to someone that you've lied. But sexual morality is a stain on our conscience that we can't easily rid ourselves of, right? It's the number one conscience just destroyer in our lives is sexual sin, right? Because it's it's not just flesh. It's, it's soul and spirit, right? We're spiritual beings. Sex is a very spiritual, soulish and physical act. And so with sexual immorality, that's the first instance we get of condemnation of, I am cursed. Like I am, there's disgusting or, or guilt or shame or whatever the, you know, if you've been molested or if you've done things, your, your, your conscience is just like, yeah, this was, this was, this was not right. So now we carry this burden on us of a curse. Like I am cursed and we live out of that. The greatest ingrid preference in the world is God's blessing upon those who eat his flesh and drink his blood. This is why Jesus, this is why we have to major on what Jesus did for us, right? So Jesus, by the shedding of his blood, cleanses our unrighteousness. So I know I've done unrighteous things. You know, I've, I've been in debt. I've been in sexual immorality. The Lord has cleansed me of all unrighteousness. I've repented, you know, cause that's the next thing is like, Oh, you know, uh, YOLO, you only live once, sleep around, God loves me, there's grace. And it's like, that's fine, God does love you. But you're heaping up on your own conscience, these burning coals. You're, you're, the consequences of your sin, your, your sin nature has been forgiven by God. Your sin actions are heaping up consequences on your own life, you know. And so... This is the importance of eating his flesh, drinking his blood, is that once I've been cleansed of my past, I now go and I sin no more. You know, and yeah, there's struggles of our sin habits wanting to go back. But, but that's where it's like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you have to constantly wash your brain of this old programming, which says you're just a dirty dog, return to your vomit. You're just a dirty dog. Return to your vomit. It's like, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, regardless of my acts, regardless of my details of my, you know, because that would be self-righteousness. Well, you know, I'll, Scott, I'll become righteous when I can not masturbate 
for 42 days and when I cannot lie for 28 days and when I can, like, then I'll be pure and righteous. It's like, sorry, dude, that's self-righteousness. That's pride, right? The, the opposite of humility is not pride. It's a flipped coin. So, so humility and then pride and condemnation. Pride and condemnation are the same thing, right? Because it's, I am righteous. And then when I do something bad, I am condemned. I am righteous. I am condemned. Whereas humility is saying, Jesus is my righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then that affords us, Deuteronomy 28, the righteousness of Jesus affords us the blessings that were on Abraham, the blessings uh, of Deuteronomy 28. Now shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. So that is our conscience. So now we start obeying our conscience. Diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And a lot of guys are like, oh, but Scott, Hamilton, how's it, buddy? Happy driving. It's good to have you along, by the way. What a boss. I'm very encouraged by your life lived out. And congratulations on baby number three coming along. Praise God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. You know, a lot of times us kind of prepper, rural, agrarian dudes are like, get out of the city, get out of the city. Yes, that's practical wisdom. It is good to get out of the city. I, I've gotten out of the city and there's no ways I want to go back. But if you're stuck in the city, a lot of guys are stuck, right? Your, your family's there, your business is there. You haven't got the financial means to get out. You need to declare this over yourself. Blessed am I in the city. I'm blessed in the city, right? The pestilence can come. The riots can come. The, the crap can come. I am blessed. I am blessed in the city. And I'm all of us who are in the country, I'm blessed in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. When you guys are traveling, you know, like we had a, a car accident a while back and it's like, there's always been that kind of like a bit of a trauma or like, a, oh, is that gonna, it's like, no, we're blessed. We're blessed when we come in and we're blessed when we go out. We're blessed when we travel. You've got to, you've got to chaps, you've got to wash your brain away from this old condemned cursed thinking to I am blessed because Jesus has made me righteous. I am blessed. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. Chaps, that's your bank accounts. You've got blessed bank accounts, chaps. And in all to which you set your hand, that's your work. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Chaps, I want you to be open to the Lord giving you land. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. And that's what Jesus has done. He's made us holy. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Chaps, this is a great declaration. You know, all of this political grievance, you know, because you get all the liberal chaps who have grievance about racism and equality and blah, blah, blah. And they've got all this grievance towards us. But then we in turn have all this grievance back, grievance against them, grievance against the politicians, grievance against the mega rich. Like, oh, I can't believe they want to vaccinate us. Oh, I can't believe they want to lock us down, make us wear masks, blah, 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 all this grievance. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to 
say that that's okay. I, I'm definitely against all this stuff. I've got boundaries up. I'm not, I'm not wearing the mask. I'm not taking the vaccine. I'm not shopping at all their shops. Um, I don't consent to any of that stuff, but I'm also not a victim. I am blessed, right? And not only that, the Lord will cause my enemies who rise against me to be defeated before my face. The Lord will command the blessing on me. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that I am called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of me. And the Lord will grant me plenty of goods and the fruit of my body and the increase of my livestock and the produce of my ground and the land of the, in which the Lord swore to my fathers to give me. The Lord will open to me his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to my land in its season and to bless all the work of my hand. I shall lend to many nations, but I shall not borrow. So this is, again, a thing of like, all right, Lord, like I'm taking you at your word. You know, belief is God's love language. You know, for us, it might be words of affirmation or gifts or blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, God, if you give me this, I'll know you love me. Or God, if you give me a word, I'll know you love me or, you know, whatever. But God's love language is us taking him at his word. You shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. Chaps, it's not a sin. I just want to, I want to clear that off right now. It's not a sin to be in debt. It's a weight. All right. It's, it's not the best. I was in debt. I was heavily in debt. Credit card debt. My wife, we, we had student loans. Uh, we had a land mortgage, you know, when I was in my old job and super sucking at life and just nihilistic and Lord, what the heck am I here for? I would spend every day, about an hour every day looking at Jeeps and Jaguars trying to get a sweet car on credit. You know, like I'm, I've been there. I, I am that person, you know, and by the grace of God, paid everything off and got out of it. And, you know, now we're, we're expectant on, on the blessing of the Lord. So I'm saying that it's not a sin. It's not to condemn you guys. It's to get you into the mindset of the last loan I ever took will be the last loan I ever take. And I am blessed. And I expect God to bless me. I expect God to give me land. I expect God to bless my storehouses. You know, and this almost sounds to a lot of guys, it's like, this is, this is preposterous. You know, this is, uh, what's the word? Heresy. It's like, rip that out of your Bible. Well, it's the Old Testament. It's like Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's, a, he's the new high priest of a better covenant. If that's the blessings of an old covenant, what are the blessings of an even better covenant? All right, I'm getting riled up. Pastor Manning, if you're watching, I'd like to preach at your church. <clears throat> the greatest ingrid preference in the world is God's blessing upon those who eat his flesh and drink his blood. Deuteronomy 28 describes the blessing of a good God to those who obey him. The blessings upon Abraham are your inheritance. God is no respecter of persons. What he did for Abraham and for David, he will do for you who believe. God's word works for anyone who will take him at his word, regardless of your circumstances or how many others are out to curse you. You know, so a lot of guys are like, oh, but I'm black or, oh, but I'm a woman or, oh, but I'm in debt. It's like God's word Oh, yeah, sorry, guys. God's word doesn't work for black people. It's like, no, that's a lie. God's word doesn't work for women. No, that's a lie. God's word doesn't work for slaves. No, that's a lie. God's word works if we take God at his word. People who believe they are cursed, usually through searing their conscience via sexual immorality, attract what they believe. People who believe they are cursed willingly bond themselves into debt slavery. People who believe they are cursed resent people who act blessed. And often resents seeing a son get his inheritance from his father. The orphan calls this in-group preference unfair and builds up murder in his heart. You know, that's a lot of this stuff. A lot of this 
BLM stuff, a lot of this racist, you know, like, oh, you know, white whiteness and white people are racist and stuff. It's just murder in their hearts because they feel cursed and they don't know that there's a God who loves them and will bless them if they come to him in sonship. God says to this orphan, you know, that's it. It's not a sin, chaps. Inheritance is a good thing. You know, this this culture does not like inheritance. It's a good thing to have an inheritance. It's a, a righteous man lays up an inheritance to his children's children. That's what Proverbs says, right? So to have an inheritance, a lot, a lot of guys are like, oh, shucks, gee, I don't want to tell anyone, but my dad gave me a house. And I don't want to tell anyone, but my dad gave me a business. I don't want to tell anyone because I feel ashamed. It's like, are you kidding me? That's the fruit of righteousness. Honor that. Like, yeah, I am blessed. My father actually built me a business. You know, the blessing of the Lord. It's freaking awesome. God says to this orphan, I will be your father. I will bless you if you will eat my body and drink my blood, if you will take me at my word. In-group preference is not your issue. Your issue is how cursed do you believe you are? You know, so that's what I would say to someone. If they came with, you know, oh, it's racist, blah, blah, blah. It's like, one question, do you believe you are cursed? What? It's like, do you believe you are cursed? Because God has a blessing for you that is regardless of your circumstances and regardless of how many white people are trying to curse you. And I think we need to have that same mindset for us as, as white dissident boys, as white Christian nationalist boys of like, doesn't matter how many oligarchs are against me. God is for me. Doesn't matter how crap crazy the government laws are. God is for me. Doesn't matter how crazy this culture gets and, and how much persecution God is for me. God is my, is my good father and he blesses me. How good, so in-group preference is not your issue. Your issue is how cursed do you believe you are? And how good do you think God is? You know, if you don't think God is good, it's because you haven't read Deuteronomy 28. It's because you haven't seen that Jesus is, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, right? So you haven't seen God as Jesus. So Jesus says, I have not come to condemn and to curse. I've come to redeem. I've come to save that I might bring you back into reconciliation with my father, bring you back into inheritance, bring you back into righteousness, bring you back into sonship, kingship, dominion, right? Bring you back into the Ad Adamic mandate. So how good do you think God is? And then can he bless you out of your curse? Or is your sin too strong for his body and blood? You know, that's a lot of us have these issues of like, yeah, oh, but you don't know what I've done, you know, and you don't know my circumstances. And, you know, I've, you know, things are tough in my marriage and things are tough with, finances and you know i've wronged all these people and my conscience is dirty and broken and it's like how is your sin too strong for his body and blood and that's where it becomes a belief issue chaps and a washing your brain issue of i am the righteousness of god so i just you know something for my wife and i really you know enjoy this we've had really stressful periods where we get super stressed out at each other and then we get resentful and things from how we were brought up start acting out and and it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's because I believe I'm cursed or it's because I don't believe God sees me in secret. You know, Matthew 6, 6, chaps, God who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And that means don't go around blasting, you know, your trumpets and, and you know, trying to be a virtue signaler. It literally means be of quiet spirit and take your burden, take your issue to God in secret that he may reward you. So it means giving up our grievance. We give up our right to grievance, right? Let me get down to this part here. I'm rambling. If you believe you are blessed by God Almighty himself, it doesn't really matter who tries to curse you. 
You know, so one of the things like in marriage, it can be like, you know, I can be really frustrated at my wife and be like, oh, you know, and, and resentment and hurt or whatever and be like, man, like, God, I am blessed. So, you know, but then you're not blessing her because you, you, you're you like, God, I want you to punish her or like, I want you to, you know, whatever your thought process might be of like, you, you have to let go of resentment. You have to let go of punishment. And that's why God says, bless those who persecute you so that, you know, forgive others so that I can forgive you, which means bless others so that I can bless you. It's like, oh, so I've got to bless her. And, and that's just, even just saying it like, okay, I bless you. I bless you. I'm for you. God is my vindicator. God sees me. He'll sort this out. He'll give us a marriage that is peaceful and joyful. He'll give us finances that are peaceful and joyful. He'll give us health that is peaceful and joyful. Of like, But we have to submit it to him in this whole journey of when we don't feel like it, when we don't feel like believing, when, you know, the brainwashes, you don't deserve this or you, or you deserve better. You should have grievance. If you believe you are blessed by God almighty himself, it doesn't really matter who tries to curse you. <clears throat> Son or orphan, choose one. King or victim, choose one. Blessed or cursed, choose one. Whichever one you choose forfeits your right to the other. So for me, I was brought up very much, uh, you know, I, I dabbled quite a lot in the orphan victim identity, you know? And, and so, so for me, like I would often, you know, just the way I was brought up and, and I would deal with an upset woman by turning into the victim of like, Oh, like, you know, the only way I can get out from away from an upset woman is to, shut down or escape or, or be the victim. Like, see how you've hurt me, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that is often victim thinking. And it's like, no, I'm a son and I'm a king. This is who I am. I forfeit my right to victimhood because I'm not a victim. God sees me and he will bless me. You know, there's a blessing that comes from the Lord when you're able to bless other people. You know, boundaries are good, chaps. Never be a doormat, never be, don't, you know, an orphan doesn't have boundaries. A king has boundaries, you know? And then the second thing as well with that, a, a great picture. Um, I was listening to a chap by the name of Chris Blackaby. He talks a lot on sonship and kingship identity, but he says, if a king goes to a brothel and sleeps with a thousand women, hits opium, gets super drunk and comes out the door of the brothel, is he still the king? Yes, he's still the king. Can he, can he, say to someone, do this, and they go do it. Yes, he's still got the authority of the king. He's still the king regardless of his actions. Now, his actions will have a toll on him. His actions will have a toll on the relationships around him. His actions will have a toll on his ability to be a good king, but he's still the king. In the same way, this is what we've got to brainwash our brain with, right? As a Christian, my past deeds don't change me being a Christian. I'm still God's son. I'm still a king on earth. Jesus is the king of kings. We are the kings that he is king of, right? That's where this dominion mandate comes. A kingdom, dominion. Christendom, Christ's dominion, right? We are to extend dominion on earth as kings under, with fealty to the king of kings. My past actions don't change who I am. It's just now I've got to see that I am blessed. And so it's like, whoa, if I want to be a good king, if I want to be the best king that I can be, if I want to honor the king that is king of me, then, okay, I'm going to change my actions. And it's like, wait, like, I actually want to be a really good son. I want to be a really good 
king. I want to be a really good representation of the image of God. And so that changes my works, right? My faith becomes works. But faith is here, chaps. We've got to wash our brains. We've got to wash our brains with the word. God, I take you at your word. And, you know, so again, just one more uh, practical thing for us, chaps. When we slide into a place of grievance or victimhood, so when you get mad or angry or sad or nihilistic, you know, you can also despair. You know, a lot of times we can we can get into despair where it's like, oh man, like I'm I'm done with this. Like I just want to escape or end it or you know whatever the case is. This is where we go. All right, Lord, I thank you that you see me in secret. Do you see me? Like and literally ask God, God, do you see me? Do you see me in this crap hellhole? And God sees you. Matthew six six. God sees you in secret. It's like all right, Lord. Are you my vindicator? It's like, yes, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So it's like, Lord, I lay this burden. So it says, lay your burdens, cast your burdens on God because he cares for you. His his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Cast them on God because he cares for you. So Lord, I take this thing that has made me angry, sad, nihilistic, despairing. Even, you know, even if chaps, you know, if you're struggling with lust or something, it's like, Lord, I take this burden and I cast it on you. Because I know you see me. I know you love me. I know you want to bless me. And so I cast this thing I'm struggling with on you. And I trust you. I trust your word. I trust that you want to bless me. You know, and, and it's like when the business doesn't seem like it's being blessed. Lord, I trust that I am blessed. When your marriage doesn't seem like it's, Lord, I trust that I'm blessed. When your health doesn't seem like it's blessed. When your bank account is in debt. It's like, Lord, I trust that you see me. Chaps, we have to get to this place of, of taking God at his word, even when it seems foolish, even when it seems, you know, totally opposite to, to observation. You know, I, I live by faith and not by sight. So just wanted to bless you guys. Your issue that you're going through is not your issue. Your issue is, am I blessed or am I cursed? Really sit with this chaps. When you realize that you're blessed, you know, we, you know, we've, we've really been trying to get away from, trying to work a wage job and, and earn our money that way, you know, trying to start our own business and, and get things going home economy and stuff. And it's been hard, you know, it's not, it's, it's not the easy, like, Oh yeah. You know, every two weeks you get a paycheck. It's like, no, like it, it's hit or miss. And you know, there's things you can do. And, and it's like, all right, like when there's stress, it's like, all right, Lord, I trust that you're blessing me. You know, I trust that you're going to, you know, I'm going to start crushing. And if it's not this, then I'm going to sit on this and be like, all right, am I blessed? So, so the other day, my wife and I just had a chat, like, are we supposed to be doing this business? Are we supposed to give it up? You know, cause it's not like there's no grace for it or there's no flow. Like, are we supposed to give it, give it up? You know, is this God saying that this is not the work that we're supposed to be doing? And so, you know, we were just praying about it and we've been reading and journaling and stuff. And, and it's been really cool how, you know, I was like, God, what must I do? Like, what is the work you want me to do? Like, God, I just want to, I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. I'm sure all of you guys have felt that thing of like, God, I just want to be in the middle of your will. God, I want to know I'm in your will. You know, and I've often thought of, of David and Joseph, you know, when David was in the desert being pursued by Saul for 10 years, being hunted down to be killed. And when Joseph was a slave and in jail and wrongly accused for 14 years, you know, did you think, do you think that they thought that they were in the middle of God's will? 
you know, they'll probably, oh, God, where are you? Oh, God, what's going on? God, you promised. God, you said. God, you gave me a dream. God, I was anointed. You know, I'm sure they had their little moments, you know, and that's okay. Like, God's not this, this oh, you messed up once, boom, condemned. It's like, no, 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 you are blessed. You're a son. You know, we need to look at it. And so that's what I did. I was like, I had this revelation of like, oh, my gosh, I'm God's son. You know, and, and my father, you know, so I imagined myself going to my dad and being like, dad, what must I do? Dad, I'll do anything for you. Dad, what must I do? Dad, just tell me what to do. Dad, I'll do anything, dad. I just want to, dad, I just want to please you, dad. And my dad would probably be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, whoosh, like who, why are you, what are you doing? You know, whereas my dad would be like, son, what do you want to do? Like, what are the things that, you know, I've, I've watched you for 20 odd years and like you're really good at this and you love that and you're passionate about this and you've always told me about that and you're always thinking about this and you're always reading about that. What do you want to do? And it's like, wow, dad, well, I'd really like to farm and I'd really like to, you know, do this and I'd really like to do that. And then your dad would be like, that's really cool. Well, I'd like to help you. And it's like, wow, my dad wants to help me. You know, so Proverbs says a man plans his way in his heart and the and the Lord directs his steps. The father directs his steps. You know, so I could imagine my dad saying to me, all right, boy, so you want to farm? Well, you know, let's, what courses can you take? Can you start small where you are right now? What can you start propagating and potting and what, you know, start planning in your heart. And whenever you come up to something, I will direct you as what to do next. And, um, you know, that's like, whoa, like God loves me, you know, so now, your faith moves from I'm blessed, I'm a son. God wants me to do what he has made me to do, my talent, my passion. And I need to start preparing for it. So instead of sitting in my in my moping and being like, oh, God, I don't have the money to buy a farm. Oh, God, I don't, you know, it's like, no, no, no. What can you do now? Start propagating, start growing your veggies, start researching, start studying, like study with a purpose, study to show yourself approved. And the next thing will come. The next steps will come. So I just want to encourage you guys. You're blessed. You're a son, you're a king. You have this identity that is trying to be pulled back by our sin habits, not our sin nature. Our sin nature was dealt with. You're now a son. You're not an orphan. You're a son. You know, a lot of guys have in their bio, wretch, you know, sinner saved by grace, all this stuff. Like, that's great. Imagine if my dad adopted me and 20 years later, I'm still saying, oh, I'm an orphan. I'm a wretch, but my dad saved me. It's like, my dad would be like, you're my son. Stop saying you're a wretch. Stop saying you're an orphan. You're my son. Like, I, I would be pretty angry if this kid who I've adopted for 10, 20, 30 years is still going around telling everyone he's an orphan, telling everyone he's a wretch. It's like, no, that's my son. You know what I'm saying? So have this identity change, chaps. Wash your brain. I am blessed. Personalize Deuteronomy 28 for yourselves. Read it over your family. Read it over yourself. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Appreciate you guys.